I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Ineash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, we're going to start with some feedback from Neurotic Robot on the Discord, who uh, has comments about our Australia story. Uh, David, do you want to summarize that? Yeah, basically, Neurotic Robot just said that he disagreed with our characterization of um, Australia's COVID policies as totalitarian and neocolonialist. He did this basically just on the grounds that the people who are talking about this are kind of lunatic right-wing conspiracy theorists, to which I say, yes, the people who are reflexively opposed to all COVID policies will be reflexively opposed to bad COVID policies. This isn't surprising and doesn't change the fact that those bad policies are bad. Yeah, uh, he gave us a um, an, an article that we'll link in the show notes that basically just said, uh, look, guys, they're not concentration camps, which, uh, sure, that's... That's that's true. They're not concentration camps. Um, How do you define concentration camps? Uh, it's only a concentration camp if it's in the concentration region of Germany. Otherwise, <laughs> it's a sparkling crime against humanity. Um, but like, so the situation in these camps is that the, the it it doesn't sound like the conditions are terrible. They're you know they're put up in these like weird um, little vacation shack things um but they're they're they they're forced to go there um even if they don't have covid um people keep breaking out of them and getting arrested and getting fined um and you have to go even if you're a close contact of someone with covid and you test negative oh i was about to ask why if you don't have covid but that's that's why yeah if you decide you're a close contact um and there's a $2,500 fee you have to pay for them to imprison you. Oh, my God. Yeah. I feel like that's the worst part to my sensibilities. I'm like, okay, fine. You want to confine everybody? You guys are doing, like, serious, serious lockdown, like China. Just, you know, if you want to be like China, go for it. I'd be pretty upset with, uh, with a prison term, even a short one. Yeah. I mean, they are they are doing a good job of not having people die from COVID. Um, so if you want to, like you know be a authoritarian government in exchange for fewer covid deaths i mean that's a trade-off a lot of places are making um i do think characterizing it as totalitarian is kind of fair but you know if that's the price you want to pay whatever but don't charge people to 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 to, to, to imprison them that's such bullshit i love that that's where your line is drawn Oh, totally man well at least the other things like a trade-off it's like okay you are saving lives by treating people like shit um so there's like it's arguably justified depending on what your values are there um but there's no there's no justification for charging people to pay for their own imprisonment um unless you're saying they did something wrong which everyone's saying no no these people didn't do anything wrong uh so i i call bullshit well maybe if they were more virtuous they wouldn't have caught the covid yeah, but it's all the officials are saying, like, no, no, don't think about it that way. These are, these are just, you know, they didn't do it on purpose. It's nothing bad about them. Blah, 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 blah. But also, they have to pay for it. Okay. Uh, David, do you have a counter-argument? 
Uh, no, I agree with everything he just said and would like to add that, come on, guys, they're not actual concentration camps, is what the <laughs> Trump hotties said when everyone was screaming about the arguably concentration camps on the uh, U.S.-Mexico border, and the exact same people who are making that exact same argument now were having none of it then. So, like, I'm not surprised at people having no consistency or principles, but I am going to keep pointing it out. Oh, that's going to be a theme in today's episode. If your argument is, well, if you compare them to Nazi concentration camps, they're not similar at all, that's not a very good (laughs) argument. Many things are very bad (laughs) that fall well short of Nazi concentration camps. One would say just about everything in history. Yeah. Well, not everything in history. Everything in the modern day and many things in history. Yes, those are one of the worst things. I mean, maybe not the worst. I don't know. Lots of shit has happened. Uh, But they're up there. Things can still be very bad without being anywhere close to that. All right. Um, Other follow-up from Eniosh on Astral Codex 10 grants. Yes, uh, they have gone out. We talked about those in our last episode, I believe. Uh, Maybe two episodes ago. Anyways, uh, they... There was quite a good deal of them due to additional funding that Sky Alexander got, and honestly I thought it would be great to have a whole little segment on them, but I don't think there's enough time for all that, so inclu- instead I will just pick out my highlight from them. Uh, they- there was a grant to of $100,000 to destroy the FDA! Woo! Wait, no, no, uh, not, not, not destroy the FDA, uh... but to automate part of the FDA approval process, which should help... Um, the FDA to kill less people by making them withholding drugs not as long. So that's going to be fucking awesome. If yeah, with some kind through. of a statistical analysis software that the FDA currently does by hand or something, <laughs> which is like a big bottleneck in the process. What the fuck, man? I, I guess when it doesn't matter how many people you kill, you don't have to bother getting computers. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're going to move up their meetings either way. Yeah. Yeah. On the one hand, this seems like a good thing. On the other hand, I am a bit of a Delending the Delenda Est Club accelerationist. Oh, no. I mean, if you can get a lot more people on board soon, that'd be great. But in the meantime, if we can save marginal lives, I think that's a great thing. And, uh, you know... It'd be great for the rationalist community to be known as people that contributed to that. There's there's a whole lot of great grants that uh, are in this list of things that were granted. Is that the term? Yeah. That yep. were awarded grants. Yes. Um, I am not an FDA accelerationist. Um, there's like zero chance we're actually going to just get rid of the FDA and not have anything in its place, which would be awesome, but we're not going to do that. So, you know, marginal improvements are still improvements. I'm okay with getting rid of it and having something else in its place. Because just about anything would be better than what we have now. Well, that's true, too. But again, Well, if we got rid of it and didn't have any other official government institution in its place, we would almost certainly come up with some sort of private um, safety certification board, which would actually have things like multiple levels of safety certification and things not being illegal until they're proven to be um, like the safest thing in the world. So, or even just not things being illegal by default, which would yes. be great. Yeah. I guess it could be worse if they replaced the FDA with uh, literal Nazi concentration camps. But <laughs> yes, that would be if it was true. Nazi concentration camps, it would be worse. All right. On that note, we're going to go on to our new news. Uh, we're going to start with a story from Eniash about Vladimir Putin. 
Yes. Uh, as people are aware, if they listened to our last episode, uh, Russia is making some threatening gestures in the Ukraine direction and saying, you know, nice nation here. It'd be shame if uh, we were to take it over. Uh, they, they have continued to do that. A lot of nations around the uh globe, I guess. Yeah, we're on a globe, uh, are getting worried about this. And some of them have been imposing sanctions on Russia to maybe hopefully deter them, including the United States. And uh, Biden and Putin had a meeting recently. And in this meeting, at least according to the uh, Russian secretary of something or another, I lost it, uh, Putin told Biden that there would be, uh, that there could be a complete breakdown in ties between our country as a result of this. And that, you know, he should, should watch his step man uh which i think you know bad sign yeah i mean i feel like our uh ties between our countries are not that great at the moment i mean did the reset button not work i don't think the reset button worked oh man our younger listeners probably don't remember the reset button <laughs> do you want to explain I don't it to remember them? the reset button uh during the obama administration when hillary was secretary of something or another state. Uh, she... she was secretary of state <laughs> okay i there's there's too many secretaries man i uh, agree <laughs> Delinda Estal secretaries uh, of the governmental variety, not you know, not the useful ones. Uh, yeah, those anyways, are administrative she... assistants now. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm showing my um, either sexism or racism or oldness. I think it's just oldness. Okay. Thank God. Uh, it's not like but... you said they were all women. <laughs> I did not. That's true. Um, but anyways, Obama was trying to normalize relationships with Russia. It did not go very well. And at one point, uh, Hillary was like, can we, can we just start over? Can we do that? Can we pretend that the last few months of diplomatic stuff didn't happen? And she literally brought out a big red button and said, this is the reset button. Uh, we're pushing the reset button on relations with Russia and pushed it. And, uh, I guess it didn't work after all, which is unfortunate. She should have used the easy button. That sounds like something the brilliant mind behind Pokemon Go to the Polls would come up with. <laughs> I mean, just she, how is she so bad at branding? Uh, I don't know. She literally lost an election against the most unelectable person in history. <laughs> Apparently he wasn't the most unelectable person in history. We found one that was even less electable. Did we? Yes, it yes, was Hillary, Hillary Clinton, Clinton because she failed to be elected. Oh, oh right. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, the, maybe the the reset button might have worked. It just you know, then Russia, y- you know, tried to get Donald Trump elected and did, and uh, that kind of that kind of threw a wrench into things. It improved our relations with Russia, though. I mean. Russia tried to get Donald Trump elected, and Donald Trump was elected. Let's not be too aggressive at drawing a causal connection between those things, though. It was the emails, David! The emails! That's why people didn't like her. It wasn't anything else. (laughs) Yes, certainly not. Anyways, in addition to all this, uh, while this is going on, Germany has shut down three of its six remaining nuclear reactors. Germany, go fuck yourself. Exactly. The other three are slated to be uh, shut down at the end of 2022. Uh, And Russia opened up a gas pipeline underneath the Baltic Sea so it could sell gas to Europe to help them with all this energy generating that won't be done by nuclear power anymore. Uh, And they don't have to have any critical infrastructure running through Ukraine anymore, which, uh, you know, very convenient for them to not have to worry about their pipes being blown up. Why wouldn't they want any critical infrastructure running through Ukraine? Maybe if Ukraine got invaded, they would have an issue with that, and 
sabotage one of the ways Russia gets a lot of funding. Womp womp. Yeah, this uh, definitely seems to be a move to just not to to lower any consequences of fucking with Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds bad. Friendly reminder that Germany's turn for anti-nuclear happened after uh, uh, the Fukushima quote-unquote disaster where the evacuation from the quote-unquote disaster area killed like two or three orders of magnitude more people than the disaster itself. So, yeah, that sucks. Yup. But, you know, we covered on a, a few shows ago, lots of other countries are going going pretty hard on nuclear uh so it's we should we should be seeing more nuclear in the next decade or so than we did in the last one yeah regardless of what germany does yeah let's just hope it's not all concentrated in horrible dystopian hellscapes like china and australia (laughs) (laughs) yes australian (laughs) listeners at this point i am just trolling you well it might get there though uh, I do find it interesting that, like, Russia is starting to, you know, make itself insulated from consequences of attacking a foreign country. China's been doing this for a while, and we've kind of been covering it for a while. They uh, are nationalizing more and more things and also making themselves less legible to the outside when they did the uh, whole due to Chinese data protection, you can't know where any Chinese shipping ships are anymore. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to legit worry that China is... I mean, I guess it's also just good national security policy to not be dependent on other nations for things. But I love the Golden Arches theory of world peace, where as long as nations are, you know, very interconnected and have a lot of trade between them, uh, they don't go to war. And when countries are trying to reduce the amount of trade and interconnectedness, I I think that's a bad thing, especially since we have nuclear weapons now. Yeah, that's uh, bad for peace. Um, I, you know, I'm not necessarily against the United States becoming less economically dependent on china because i think that china's economic influence has had some pretty bad effects um especially on american corporations that like censor anything critical of china which sucks which we will also be talking about yeah um but yeah them closing themselves off making it so there's fewer consequences of aggressive military action probably increases the chances of aggressive military action (sighs) that is definitely true but i'm also increasingly convinced that uh china is so obsessed with its own internal security that it's not going to uh actually like start any shit because it's pretty obvious like it's possible that the top of the ccp have just entirely drank the kool-aid and um or rather I guess getting high off their own supply would be a more apt metaphor. Uh, But it's possible that they, like, just wildly overestimate their own capabilities, like, uh, they are, and they're, like, thinking that their capabilities are what they say they are in their propaganda instead of what they actually are. But it's pretty clear to me that China would get its ass kicked all over Asia if it actually got into a shooting war with anyone more powerful than Japan. Um, so, yeah, I'm, like, obviously I'm no big fan of China, but I'm also inclined to believe that the heads of the Chinese government aren't politically suicidal enough to actually start a shooting war with anyone. I'm also suspicious that 
um, a lot of this, you know, illegibility of China um, is due to uh, them not really being in a very good situation. Um, that was it. Is it Evergrande, the, yeah. the company e- that just defaulted on its debts? Evergrande. Mm-hmm. Evergrande, um, which was like a huge part of the uh, Chinese economy. Yep. Also unrelated to the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. Yeah, very just just coincidental. <laughs> um, but it sounded everything I read about that was like, well, if Evergrande defaults, uh, China's economy is going to be in for a world of shit. And then they did. So I feel like the Chinese economy is probably not in a great place, and they're trying to hide that. Yeah, mm. no, chi- China's economy is based on largely rampant land speculation because of some quirks of how their internal government financing works. Oh, you love land speculation. Yeah, as everyone who no- who read the uh, series of Georgism posts on Natural Codex 10 knows, land speculation is great and is always good for economies whenever it happens. Um, so yeah, China's pretty turbo-fucked in the medium to near future. All right, well, fuck you, China. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think we have another another China-related piece of news from Eniash. Yes. Uh, as people are well aware, I hope, there is an ethnic minority in the Chinese mainland called Uyghurs who are Muslim, and China has been not happy with them because they don't think they are supportive enough of the Chinese government, and so they've been bringing them up into, new, I, I don't want to say Nazi-style concentration camps, but definitely some sort of... Camps that concentrate a population and re-educate them and make them work uh, for nothing. Let's say they're more similar to Nazi concentration camps than the Australian camps. We can definitely say that. <laughs> There's <laughs> along that continuum. They're a bit further than Australia. Yes. No one quite knows how much further. Yes, I'm happy with that. The West in general has not been happy with this sort of thing happening and, again, has gone to sanctions and boycotting, things along those lines. Uh, There are companies that refuse to do business uh, with companies that exploit or make use of. I don't don't even know what the term is for for labor slaves, basically. You don't exploit them, you just enslave them, right? Wait, what other kind of slaves are there? I, uh, I mean, I guess there's food slaves, but we don't usually go that passion, dark on man. this podcast. <laughs> I'm a slave of my heart. Um, but, like, H&M will no longer use, uh, their clothing company will no longer use cotton. That was grown up in the Uyghur area, and uh, cotton is one of the major exports there. Oh, man. Didn't Britney Spears have a song called I'm a Slave for You? Oh, that's, uh, yes, that's she did. unfortunate in hindsight. <laughs> You think she wasn't aware of the whole bad bad slavery issue? Oh, I just mean because, you know, the whole Free Britney thing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, somebody took that uh, a little too literally. Unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, uh, anyways, a number of companies have, have stopped buying things that were produced in that region. Uh, there is a big Chinese pushback against this, including all sorts of propaganda and really pretty cool advertisements, honestly. I've seen a few on YouTube. But anyways, Walmart has stopped uh, stocking products from that region. The, I don't know how to pronounce this. Xinjiang region, I think? Uh, Xinjiang, I think is how you pronounce Xinjiang. it. Xinjiang. 
So products that were created there likely had a Uyghur labor involved, and they stopped stocking products created there and in their China-based Walmart and Sam's Club stores. And China warned Walmart that they would suffer the consequences for their actions. Uh, they didn't say exactly what those consequences would be. Again, more of a looming, threatening sort of, you'll, you'll be sorry when you find out kind of thing. But Or else. <laughs> I had, or else. But I had to pull this out because I found it hilarious. I, I'm pretty sure it, it's not hilarious in the original uh, Chinese, but they said they were these companies are using their own actions to hit their face. Which, you know, just reminded me of like the bully grabbing a hand and being like, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. <laughs> Uh wow, good guy, good guy Walmart. So Walmart and Sam's Club stopped stocking products that had been through Xinjiang in their stores in China. In China, yes, but not their stores that are anywhere else. Well, I imagine everywhere else, but the China ones are the ones that China was most upset about. Okay, all right, cool, cool, cool. That that was confusing me. I clicked your link to find out and got a four hundred four error. Like ass. what? It worked. Two, three days ago? I guess I'll try to find another link. Well, it, it it's from the Wall Street Journal and criticizing China, so I'm not surprised it got deep-sixed. <laughs> oh. oh, no. That is probably what happened. You heard it here on the Mind Killer. Yeah. So uh, remember what I was saying about companies and not criticizing China? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sucks. Um, but good on you, Walmart. Um, you are not as shitty as, you know, early 2000s liberals tried to make you out to be. But, you know, no, no, nobody's actually that shitty. And since liberals are still trying to make you out as shitty, despite you, uh, bending over to, um, all of their demands, cough, cough, Michael Bloomberg, cough, cough, uh, maybe try allowing concealed carry and gun sales in your stores again. That worked out pretty well for you, and it's been upsetting that you went back on that. What? You could get a concealed carry permit in a Walmart? Uh, no, but you could carry concealed in uh, in Walmart, and oh. then they changed their store policies, and now they all have those no weapons allowed on the premises signs, even though that's dumb. But if you're concealing your carry, then how would they know? Uh, it's one of those things where, like, most people who scoff that law get away with it, but the consequences are pretty bad if you do get caught. Uh-huh. There's like a steep fine, and you get your permit taken away. Really? Are there there are legal consequences for violating a store policy? Oh yeah, in South Carolina, those um, mm. no concealed weapons on these premises have force of law. Yeah, which I'm wow. a- which I'm actually pretty cool with because South Carolina's policy is basically just hospitality law, and I am a big fan of hospitality law. Fair. What is hospitality law? Uh, basically, like, if you're on someone's property, then follow their rules. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, like, you... Also, uh, don't invite people to your house and then kill them. That's a big one. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> and also, don't kill someone who's invited you into your house. Or into their house. Also, before you invite someone into your house, make sure they're not a vampire, because then they can come and go as they please. No, that's a, that's not hospitality law. That's different. Well, it is actually... Probably a derivative of hospitality law. Um, You're probably not wrong. uh, But also, don't worry about it if you're packing heat, because vampires are vulnerable to bullet. Sometimes. I know that. Sometimes. It depends on the vampire cannon. I'm pretty sure Blade had to get, like, uh, a shotgun that fired stakes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. And they were silver stakes, right? I think they were So they would be, like, extra deadly? 
think it was just wooden stakes, but what do I know? Can you I'm shoot no a wooden stake out of a shotgun? Yeah. I figure it would splinter the stake. I don't, it, dude, it was the 90s and it was a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Both I, excellent I points. retract. I retract my objection. It wasn't like, it was before Batman Begins where they tried to explain everything with physics. Yeah. <laughs> this one was just like, no, nah, it's just, it just works. You put a stake in a shotgun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't use your own actions to hit your face. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Now we've got uh, some culture war news that oh, oh. that David didn't want to talk about, but me and Eniash overruled him. Um. So Eniash, tell us about uh the the Let's Go Brandon story. Sure. Uh, Joe Biden was on a live chat from NORAD. I don't know if he was physically in NORAD, but it was the Christmas Eve tracking Santa thing, right? And they were taking calls from the public, just having a good old time. And uh, one caller at the end of it uh, with Let's Go Brandon, which I I discovered this actually on this podcast talking to you guys, is a way of saying fuck Joe Biden, which came from a NASCAR hilarious moment. Uh, Anyways, uh, Joe Biden said, I agree, let's go Brandon, because I don't know, what else are you going to say in that situation, right? Uh, I think the guy was, personally, I think the guy was kind of an asshole for doing that to, you know, Joe Biden on television, but Joe Biden handled it fairly well. kind of a dick move to do it during, like, the Santa Claus broadcast. I know, right? Come on, man. We're all just trying to have fun. I agree, Uh, but also, let's be honest, Biden kind of deserves it. Yeah, I mean, it's a Santa broadcast. Chill out for one fucking second. That's fair. Uh, But that that would have been my take on it if it wasn't for the fact that the fucking media decided to dox the guy and uh, publish his full name as well as uh, his wife for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, It was just a local uh, Washington, because this was an Oregonian guy, I believe. So it was a local either Washington or Oregon newspaper that did it. And then the rest of the media picked it up to the point where I saw it on NPR the first time I searched for this. And yeah, now everybody in the world knows his name. And we are on the record as against doxing of people who don't do things that are doxworthy. So fuck all these people. And wow, way to make this guy who's kind of a jerk look like a hero. Good yeah, job. When's he getting media. his own uh, Newsmax show? I, I would imagine very soon. <laughs> Um, so here's here's what I want to know about this story. Was Biden in on the joke? Because if so, that's hilarious. That I, I, that's awesome if someone was like, hey, man, fuck you. And he was like, yeah, fuck me. <laughs> but Or was he just a senile idiot and doesn't even know that let's go Brandon means fuck Joe Biden. And he was just like, oh, sure, let's go Brandon. <laughs> I feel like this is this is the questions that the country needs answered. We will have to send someone deep undercover to find that answer. Yeah. David, you're on it. Nope. Avert. <laughs> this, oh. this is your assignment. David would be the worst undercover operative. That's true, he would. He would just explode being in the Biden White House. <laughs> I feel like I would be a pretty good undercover operative in literally any setting other than politics. <laughs> I feel like you could infiltrate the uh, Libertarian Party. Mmm... I could, but only because it would drive me insane, which would mean I would fit in perfectly with the rest of the Libertarian <laughs> Party. Fair enough. All right, uh, but yeah, don't don't dox people who aren't, like, who, there's no reason to reveal their name. Nobody yeah. needed to know who this guy was. It was just, like, a funny prank. Super shitty guys. And, like, yeah, sure, he was an asshole, but why? Why do you need his name? Yeah. All right, other culture war news. Um... 
there's a woman, a trans woman named Leah Thompson, Thomas Leah Thomas, who is swimming for the UPenn women's team. Um, and for the past two years, she was swimming for the men's team. I believe it was three years. Okay. Not that that matters that much. And and people have lots of opinions about this, starting with Amy. Yes. Well, I mean, I have, I, hmm, I guess I do have an opinion on well, it. What's I don't your know. opinion? Uh, Tell us she your opinion. Has, she has been on hormone treatment for one year, which, according to the sports organization, the is NCAA. the amount of time needed. And, okay, NCAA is the amount of time needed to uh, be able to compete on women's teams. And uh, so she's totally within her within the rules to, to do that. And, like, I don't know, if I was a trans swimmer and I really loved swimming and loved competing in it and I was following the rules, then I, I would feel kind of put out bad people getting mad at me because i'm like that this is the rules that are set up i'm doing what they say but uh she you know in her she she smashed the previous upen record by i believe 38 seconds which i think is a pretty big deal but uh it's also been spun a lot by uh by the right-wing media as you know smashing world records which is not the case the actual record record is 10 seconds faster than her time uh so she's not you know the fastest woman in the world or anything um but i don't know it, it, it still seems like a big deal to be the fastest swimmer in your region and um I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous for anyone to think that having a male puberty does not give you advantages in in physical activities like that's the entire purpose of a male puberty yeah i pretty much agree like the the trade-off for allowing trans women in women's sports is that for the most part cis women are just going to be locked out of the top levels and like if that's the trade-off you want to make then go for it but don't act like that's not the trade-off you're making my objection to the whole discourse around this has much less to do with like that being an unreasonable thing to accept and much more to do with the, like, rampant denialism that that's what's going on. Well, it's interesting because no trans woman has won, like, a top spot yet. Like, even even uh, Leia was uh, 10 seconds slower from than the, you know, all-time world record. But... I mean, sure, but does anyone who's, like, who hasn't been just brainwormed on this actually doubt that it'll happen probably within the next couple of years and give or take some fuzz because there is some randomness in the system once trans women take the world record they're probably not going to give it up i think it'll happen soon like i know that the, in every single sporting event in the world a woman could beat me i i am not terribly um i'm not terribly athletic and importantly i'm certainly nowhere near the top of the world in terms of uh women's sports i would get my ass kicked in anything but uh still just like an average guy against an average woman has a major advantage and it's just going to be harder to compete against a trans woman it's it's starting out already behind well i mean the whole reason we have women's leagues is because we recognize it's unfair for women to have to compete against men yeah and for women to be able to occupy you know championship positions they needed to be separated from men who just have naturally um more uh, not not really talent but more athletic uh, ability yeah or at least potential athletic ability um, sure. Just, you know, because of the way they're born and they're going through puberty. 
is and the way uh, yeah their the bodies thing. are created. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's bullshit if you want to let um trans women who have gone through male puberty compete um and you know take these these championship positions. I understand it's not a world record, but it's a local record. Uh, and that, I feel like that sucks for all the other women on the team that are like, well, um, you know, I can't compete with that no matter, no, no matter how much, uh, you know, I work at it, no matter how much, I guess there is a way they could have been born since it's not a world record. It's technically possible they could have won, but like I, I, I agree with you guys that eventually, you know, trans women are going to start setting world records and then, and then how do we look at it? Yeah, well, and the way pretty much the entire world and nation looks at it, the the people who <laughs> think that this isn't a big deal are a startlingly small minority. They just happen to be very vocal and have a lot of uh, media influence. Yeah. On the other hand, who really cares about sports? Um, I, I don't. I mean, really. I I don't, but I understand that people who do sports find a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment in them. The only sport I care about is NFL football, and the Eagles are in the playoffs. Go Birds! Yay! I know what some of those words mean. Um, <laughs> also, uh, just for the record, because I don't think we talked about this previously, uh, in the past uh, Summer Olympics, a new world record, uh, not just in women's sports, but in all sports, uh, was set for uh, the uh, shotgun shooting um, uh, event by a woman, a cis woman, and no one talked about it because people in the media don't like talking about how guns are fun. Well, I think Super that's lame. a good argument that uh, shotgun shooting shouldn't have gender segregated leagues. I very much agree. And I feel like that's an answer to at least some sports where there's no actual natural advantage or that women women are competitive with men. Just, you know, integrate the leagues. Yeah. Uh, but sadly, that doesn't apply to swimming. Um, so, what, I mean, what do you think is the solution here? Do you make the trans women compete with the men? Do you have, like, a separate league that's, like, you know, a handful of people? No, because going off testosterone does reduce your ability to to compete. It just doesn't reduce it enough to put you down to level of someone who's never gone through a male puberty. I, I do think it would have to be a separate league, and that's going to be really hard because I'm not sure there's enough trans competitors for there to actually be a league. I think there's a World Poo Sticks Championship, and so there's clearly enough space in capitalism for the nichest of niche sports. Sure, but I think most most of competitive sports takes place at the college and high school level. Um, and I, I don't think you can make high schools and colleges add another league. Um, and even if you could, like, how far do these people have to travel to to compete? Right. Um, I'm, so I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, and that's why my solution is make whatever object level choice you want. Just don't fuck around with your bullshit about how you're not making the choice that you're obviously making. Honestly, yeah, I think they just fair. have to be, wait for there to be more trans people and start a trans league. And if there isn't ever enough people, then... Then put chemicals in the water to turn people gay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'm glad we have found a technolo- technical solution. I mean, don't you guys listen to Alex Jones? They're already doing that. Not enough, apparently. Yeah. Um, I, You know, I think it would probably be fine if you let trans athletes compete in the events and then just hand out separate medals. Be like, you're the top performing trans athlete and you're the top performing 
you know, cis female athlete. I don't know, man. Why don't they just do men and women together then and then send, hand out separate medals? because oh, they don't need to because there's plenty of people to compete in both leagues. I guess. I thought it was mainly because it's kind of demoralizing and dumb to be in a race where you know half the people are just going to be on a different league. I mean, I don't think so. I think the the female athletes know that the male athletes, you know, the top performing male athletes are usually faster than them. Seeing it on the track, I don't think makes a huge difference. I don't know. We should ask some athletes who are not us because we are not athletes. No. Uh, All right. Any more comments about this? No. All right. So we're going to move on to COVID news, which was actually like, you know, the big story this week. Why did we put COVID news at the end? Because there's happy COVID news. So we're going to like transition from one into the other. We talked about this. We did not actually talk about it. We did. You just weren't listening. Hmm. Um, David, did we talk about this? (laughs) Yes, we did. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Now David's Uh, in on it. It's true. All right. Um, So yeah, listeners, you might probably didn't hear about any of those stories that we talked about at the top. um, Because uh, nothing much happened except COVID. That was a big story. But, so what's going on with COVID? David, you start us off. Yeah, so a uh, new study came out looking at the mutations, uh, the number and type of mutations in the Omicron uh, variant. And I would just encourage you to uh, go to the link in the show notes and click through to this. Um, This graph uh, is showing the... uh, um, uh, number of non-synonymous mutations and number of synonymous mutations uh, in the various and sundry COVID variants that we have seen so far. Um, the uh, blue, the dark blue dots on this graph are the uh, major variants: your alphas, your deltas, etc. The pale blue ones are the ones that almost got to that level but didn't quite make it, your betas and so on. Uh, And then the gray ones are every variant we have tracked. Uh, I don't know exactly what synonymous and non-synonymous mutations are, but um, if you look at this graph, uh, you'll see that it is what is technically referred to as subject to optical analysis. Uh, meaning, look at this fucking graph. <laughs> uh, Omicron is out at, like, it looks like probably 28, 29 non-synonymous mutations and one synonymous mutation. And every other variant is clustered around less than 10 non-synonymous mutations, and there are quite a few of them with uh, two and three synonymous mutations. Uh, this seems like, again, I don't know exactly what those technical terms mean, and I would love to get some feedback from someone who understands virology and can explain this, but this seems like a pretty open and shut case that Omicron did not come out of a natural mutation. Uh, there's also some evidence, which I don't understand what exactly the evidence is, but people who do understand tell me it's good, that Omicron came from mice. And if we, um, think about contexts where a disease might jump from humans to mice, then back to humans, there's exactly one that I can think of, and it's a lab. 
So, all that is to say that COVID has leaked from a lab again. Uh, and whether or not this was done intentionally, uh, it probably wasn't done intentionally, not gonna lie. Uh, biosafety is kind of fake news. Um, but yeah, all that is to say that Omicron variant, definitely not, uh, natural. So what I'm hearing is that we have to find someone and thank them for giving us a less deadly but more uh, <laughs> contagious version of, of of Corona to save us all. You said it, not me, but I'll leave whether or not I agree with that as an exercise for the listeners to uh, consider. Yeah, I don't, I don't find this evidence terribly convincing, but that's because I have no idea what it means. Um, I don't know what a non-synonymous mutation is. Or why that would suggest it was made in a lab. But I look forward to hearing from our more uh, educated re- listeners about... Uh, that means you, Old Wind Ways. You got a mission. Yeah, Old Wind Ways. <laughs> yeah, my, my understanding is just like based on when there's a big cluster of data and then one data point way out on its own, either that data point came from some sort of mistake... Something really weird is go- or something really weird is going on. And I assume it didn't come from a mistake, and that combined with the mouse thing leads to there being an obvious candidate for what the weird thing going on is. Bold assumption. We'll see if it play- pans out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. It definitely seems like uh, something's odd about uh omicron and this is not the first time i've heard this about omicron having like way way more mutations than any other variant we've seen uh that was one of the first things i heard about it and it was um that was that was before it was catching on that's why people were saying it was very scary um so you know i think certainly that's evidence in favor of a non-natural origin but i don't know how strong that evidence is uh, Can we get people to do this with other diseases? Like, make a less deadly pneumonia or something? Probably. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, so Listen. pneumonia is a symptom, not a disease. Shut um, your mouth. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, pneumonia is whenever you get, like, fluid in your lungs, which can happen with several different pathogens. Okay, um, well then, a, a less deadly, I don't know, AIDS virus. I think probably because AIDS has a really slow mutation rate, uh, but you couldn't do it with something like flu or the common cold because those just mutate and um, escape immunity again. Sure. Womp womp. So guys, yes, that that link that David posted was to Twitter, and then when I clicked on Twitter, I saw some breaking news. Oh, oh that's like for the first time ever. On our show, what? we have breaking news. The Senate is going to vote on changes to the filibuster by You're January 17th. Well, I'll be gosh darned. According to Chuck Schumer. By vote on, does that mean that they've already decided that they are going to get rid of it? No. Okay. Um, but I don't know why Schumer would be scheduling a vote if he didn't have at least some changes he was able to make to it. Right? It's like one of those things, as a lawyer, you'll have to tell me if this is true. I have heard it said that a lawyer should never ask a question he doesn't already know the answer to. That is correct. Yes. And so Chuck Schumer should never introduce this bill if he doesn't already have a fair amount of confidence he's going to get something that he wants. Yeah. I mean, typically, they they don't ever do that. Um, if If they don't have the votes, they just don't vote. 
Yeah. Um, so oh, I'm well. very interested to see what these changes are going to be. I'm sure it won't just be like a, we're getting rid of it. Um, but maybe it'll it'll make some. Maybe it'll be that uh, whole talking filibuster thing that we were talking about earlier. Hell yeah. Um, but this is specifically related to the voting legislation that we talked about last episode. I uh, said we need we need changes to the filibuster to uh, to to pass the voting rights bill. So good luck. That would be awesome. But anyway, back to our regularly scheduled COVID news. That's that's pretty excellent. I'm excited to hear how this is going to happen. It's going to be on the 17th, you say? Yeah. I'm okay. That's when we're recording our next episode. Also, we'll have, oh maybe man. we'll have more breaking news then. Maybe this will be a whole thing. Maybe you can record like in the evening or something. No, we're also, not while Wes was oh. talking about that, I uh, went to the full Twitter feed of the guy who posted the graph subject to optical analysis, and uh, he has a... Another post that he links to, which claims to be a uh, Omicron lab leak hypothesis explanation for non-scientists, so I will link to that in the show notes as well. All right. All right, so more COVID news. Um, the New York Department of Health has decided that uh, Paxlovid isn't for white people. <laughs> um, David, do you want to explain yourself? Because this is not technically true. No, no, I posted this. Wes, do you want to explain yourself? Because this yeah, is not true. It's not technically true. What they've decided is that um, Paxlovid, as we all know or should know, is um, basically a COVID cure, but is in short supply right now. Well, is it Pfizer um, who makes it? Yes. Yeah, so well, Pfizer is ramping up production. So there's not enough to go around. So they're saying, okay, we're going to limit it to um, people with uh, pre-existing health conditions. Or like comorbidities, whatever you want to call it. And also that not being white is one of those conditions. (laughs) So so it's definitely overt racial discrimination. Um, It's so no whites unless you have a comorbidity. Yes. If you're not white, you can get it. If you are white, you have to have a comorbidity. I mean, when you don't ration things by money, you ration things by politics and power. That's true, but this is also very illegal. Like, I'm very confident in saying you can't do this. <laughs> yeah. This is not equal protection of the laws. You, you heard it you here s- first, folks, By whereby folks, I mean the New York Department of Health. We have a lawyer, and you should take legal advice from this podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> you said that... Um, that this is going to be something people on the ground probably are just going to ignore? Yeah, I think so. Oh, do you think they won't read the guidance or or they know law? I th- I just can't. I can't see people being like, oh, sorry, you're white, so you, know, you can't have it. Uh, and there's lots of excuses because, you know, comorbidities are everything. Everyone has one, so they can just, or they can just, you know, say they have one. It's, I guess I hear they do not test for tobacco usage. Nope, you, you can just say, say I'm a smoker. Um, I'm pretty yeah. sure obesity is still on the list, which is like I th- I'm pretty sure being overweight is still on the list, um, which is at least half of the country. Um, but yeah, you can say you're a smoker. You can be like, oh, I have asthma. So it would filter out for people who are good, truthful people and refuse to lie. Well, honest people. I don't want to make value yeah. judgments on whether it's good to lie to the government because it is. Yeah. Sure, but in general, if you have a, a principled stance against lying, you're going to apply it all the time. And I like people with principled stances against lying. Well, good for you. Yeah, uh, that's right. I'm in favor of lying to the government. You're a weird... Well, okay, but 
that that makes you in favor of lying in some cases. That is correct. That's, that's, I'm in favor yeah, of lying. Well, in, in I could articulate many cases where I feel that lying is the uh, correct thing to do. I'm not going to get all Kantian about it like some people on the podcast. <laughs> I, You know, sure, there's times when someone is going to be taken to a Nazi concentration camp <laughs> that you want to lie or, about Or it. an Australian one, which isn't right, right, quite exactly. a Nazi one, but still bad. But... You know, the do you have a comorbidity isn't quite that extreme, and some people might have objections to being forced to lie uh, in this regard and willing to take the risk with their health Sure, instead. but if the question is, hey, can we discriminate against you based on your race, you know, that might be a good time to lie. Yeah, but they're not going to put it that way. Yeah, my feeling that's is what just the question that you is. should have a principled stance against lying to people, and governments aren't people. <laughs> But there's a person asking you on behalf of the government, so you can't avoid lying to someone. Sure, but that person is acting in the role of an agent of the government, which isn't a people. The legal term is in their official capacity. Yes, under color of law. Well, I see you guys are just a bunch of liars. Yes. (laughs) You're acting like this is news. But I never lie to (laughs) listeners of the Mind Killer podcast. That's my principled stance. Well, good. Especially not our patrons, who we really, really never lie to. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'll lie to you freeloaders. The patrons (laughs) get the truth. Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, More more COVID news uh, from Eniash. Yeah, uh, the CDC, and this is going to tie into my next news article as well, but the CDC loosened some guidelines about quarantines and masking. Oh, should have put this in happy news. Oh, yeah, probably. Mm. In fact, this whole next thing is happy news. But All I mean, right, well, never mind. We're not- going to do happy news right now. <laughs> Everybody Yay. ready? It's time for happy news. Yay. Good news, everyone. All right, Eniash, give us yes. our happy COVID news. God damn it. Now I, now I feel like I can't be snarky because it's in happy no, news. No, you can. And there was going to be some snark. No, you still can. It's fine. I'll uh, allow it. All right, we'll see. Okay. So they, <laughs> I, I'm they, snarky um, in happy news all the time. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I disagree with your happy snark. All right, so anyway, CDC has re, uh, lifted some, not lifted, changed some of their guidance on um, quarantining and masking, saying that the quarantining doesn't have to be done for as long, the masking isn't quite as important as before, and basically just easing up on the um, insane precautions that they were telling people to take and when they might just have been exposed to people who had covid without even having tested positive themselves yet which you know is is good it's a step forward uh hopefully none of us were listening to the cdc anyway but uh if you were then then great your life's a little better maybe but uh (laughs) probably not because as it turns out uh the some of the People that I know who are on the more extreme uh, COVID is going to kill us all, and not surprisingly, also very liberal media yeah. is their main diet. The, uh, the have... anti-science left, as I call them. Yes, <laughs> yes. They. I started seeing a lot of jokes from them about how, like, oh, well, the CDC says that as long as you don't get too close to the zombies, it's okay if they just gnaw on your fingers. And uh, now the CDC has become butt of jokes for uh, how lax they are, which I find... I don't know, like, 
the, the I guess the hypocrisy, I guess, is the thing where they're all about, like, we love science. Everybody, I fucking love science. It's so great. You're a science denier. And then the CDC is like, well, I guess we were a little bit wrong on the science. And uh, actually, you don't have to be as crazy. And they're like, you motherfucking liars. You are trying to lie to the people with your quote-unquote science. And we're going to joke about how awful you are about spreading zombie And we here at the Mind Killer are against lying. Which, to be clear, the CDC was never wrong about the science, they were just wrong about the economics. Turns out when you have a super virulent strain of COVID, and you insist that everyone locks down for two weeks after they test positive, that's actually gonna kind of wreck the economy in a way that the economy can't really afford to be wrecked. And finally, finally... After a year and three quarters of this, the CDC has been forced by reality to acknowledge that. And so their whole, oh, but the science changed line is complete and utter bullshit. And they're just continuing to undermine their own credibility by pretending that this is about science and not about economics, which is a perfectly valid reason to make changes to public health policy. But I am okay with the CDC undermining its own credibility because that's how we delenda them. So I am okay with this happening. Also, those CDC recommends memes have been really funny. Oh, you've enjoyed them? Yes. I particularly I particularly enjoyed the uh, one from uh, some neoclass or some classical history and literature page uh, that said the, uh, the CDC recommends we should bring the new the big wooden horse into the city. It seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's nice awesome. that uh, the left and right can now come together to uh, hate hate on the CDC because they really deserve it. Uh, ironically, they don't deserve it for this move, which, as David explained, is made for economic reasons, but is also a good move. Uh, people shouldn't be quarantining if they don't need to be. Um, the recommendations are kind of insane, because they don't say, like, I mean, the real recommendation should be, okay, quarantine for a few days, and then if you don't have a fever and you get a negative test, you're fine. Um, yeah. the, the Even the current loosened recommendations are still crazy, and I don't know anyone who follows them because they're just way too strict. Right. It's like, take a COVID test, uh, or take three, and if they're all negative, go outside. Yeah. It's literally like, if you have been exposed to someone who might have had COVID, you can now just quarantine yourself away from the rest of the world for 10 days instead of 14 Well, now days. it's five days now. Yeah. Oh, it's down five Yeah, it was days. ten days. Also, it, yeah, it was originally ten days. The two weeks was a rhetorical flourish on my part. Ah, okay. I think it might have been Thanks two weeks, like way at the thing. beginning. Yeah, probably. But yeah, they lowered it to ten days many moons ago, and now they've they've cut it in half to five. But <laughs> Fauci just came out and said, like, "Yeah, you know, people need to go to work," which I yeah. thought was great. So Fauci repeated this uh, line, which has been used on the right a lot. Uh, On CNN, in fact, he said that kids are checking into hospitals with COVID, not from COVID. And there's a big difference. And, Mm. I mean, I I guess Fauci is going to be next with all the uh, memes about him. But just how how much this is a tribal marker that you have to flagellate yourself over COVID rather than any principled stance that matters is 
shocking, but I guess really not that shocking. Just uh, I yeah. do love how they've uh, independently rediscovered that he died with the plague, you see, not of the plague necessarily, from Monty Python and the Search for the <laughs> Holy Grail. Yeah. Uh, I- interestingly, in this case, it's accurate. Uh, COVID yes. is not sending kids to the hospital. Not even remotely. No, kids are going to the hospital for other things, and then they test them, and they're like, oh, also, you have COVID. It's not doing anything, because you're a kid. Mm-hmm. And COVID does not make kids sick. I believe, was it him, or... It was someone else who said that... I No, it was Joe Biden that said we got to stop, um, stop looking at case counts and look instead at uh, hospitalization and death rates. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. That's a thing we've been <laughs> saying for quite a while. Yes. And uh, someone, I want to say the New York Times, described it as, quote, unthinkable, unquote, to uh, consider um, total number of positive tests instead of test positivity rate which everyone with half a brain has been doing since, like, three days into the pandemic. Womp womp. Well, that shows you how many fractions of a brain the New York Times has. Yes, it does. <laughs> okay. Um, more happy COVID news. Uh, Omicron. Or did you want to do this uh, Governor Paulus quote? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh Definitely. Uh, Paulus is a governor of Colorado. The governor of Colorado, rather. <laughs> a governor of Colorado. One <laughs> yes. of one. And he is a Democrat, but he is um, doing this whole trailblazing of the changing narrative. He is saying things like people need to get on with their lives. And if you've had three doses of the vaccine, you shouldn't live your life in fear of it. Uh, it. You may well get it at some point, but it probably won't knock you out more than a couple of days like the seasonal flu. And I am, you know... I'm very happy about this thing, and I I think it's great. I think this is the only way that um, the Dems are going to keep control of Congress, although I have some serious doubts about their ability to keep control of Congress. But this sort of shift would be uh, how they could do that, and I believe he's getting flack for it from, you know, those crazy ultra-left, um, this-is-my-identity people. Which really but, only uh, helps. I, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that, you know, even the establishment itself seems to be shifting the official narrative to let's start getting on with our lives. Yeah, I think yeah, the left I mean, is is well aware that, you know, there's midterm elections coming up next November and they're they're probably going to lose at both houses of Congress. Um but the loss is going to be even worse if we're still in this situation with COVID. So I think just from a self-interested perspective, it's to their advantage to now pivot to everyone go back to normal. So I feel like that's we may see more of that in the next, uh, you know, 10 months or so. Yeah, and Polis is unusually based for a blue triber. So I, I share Inyash's opinion that this is cool. I am much less optimistic that this is the wave of the future for the Democratic Party uh, because... The Democratic Party is very, very much uh, enslaved to extremely online Twitterati, and those are the people who are screaming about how this sort of basic common sense is literal murder. Well, we can only hope. Also, uh, just rewinding to the previous story about the uh, insane, extremely online Twitterati, I have made book on Fauci getting canceled in the next couple of years. Uh, So if anyone wants to take me up on that, get in touch. You're betting that Fauci will be getting canceled? 
Yes. Okay. Well, if anyone disagrees, come on the Discord and tell us about it. And get some of David's money. All right. Other uh, happy news. I just put this down that Omicron is uh, seemingly everywhere. Um, Case counts are actually the highest they've ever been during the pandemic. Um, But we're not getting any lockdowns. And we're not seeing any higher death counts. Um, Even though it's been over two weeks since the case rates went up. Which is where you'd expect to see the death count go up. Um, if it was behaving like any of the other uh, previous waves. Um, so it's, you know, the evidence is mounting that Omicron is not as virulent as as previous uh, variants. And also that, you know, vaccines and previous infections are having a big effect. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so people are um, being more sane about this. Uh, and there's reason to be uh, uh, less concerned um, it is, it is in fact behaving more like the flu than, you know, the original variant and, de- and it's, it's much, much better than Delta. Yeah. Um, so this is all, you know, the, the news we've gotten about Omicron in the past two weeks is all pretty good. Um, and the polit- politically, like you were talking before, you know, people are trying to pivot toward, you know, go back to normal and certainly nobody has been uh, implementing new lockdowns, you know, except Australia, but fuck them. Hmm. Um, and other other happy COVID news, they're developing a super vaccine. What? Yeah, against, uh, supposedly, this is going to um, vaccinate you against all strains um, and hopefully all future variants. I don't know how they can make that kind of a claim. Yeah, it's probably not, but it would definitely work against all prior variants. Um, it's, uh, people probably won't take it because it's being developed by the army. Oh, I was about to ask, has it already been completed and now we're just waiting six months for the FDA? Yes, yes, it has. We are, has it really? yeah, phase one trials are complete. Um, they still oh, need Jesus. to do a phase two and three trials. And of course they won't be doing challenge trials, so it will take months and months and months. We'll probably be on a different variant by the time they finish it. Mm. The fact that Jesus not even thinks- the army can do fucking challenge trials is insane. Right? Yeah. They can send people to die whenever they want to, but they can't ask people to be exposed to COVID, which will almost certainly not harm them. Ah! Those medical ethics, man. Medical ethics. The best. We have the best ethics. Mm-hmm. All right. Other happy news. The James Webb Space Telescope was launched. Uh, this is the successor to the Hubble Telescope. Um, it should be able to get all kinds of pretty pictures from space. I it can it can see in infrared, which we'll be able to see lots more stuff. Uh, we won't know that it actually works for another six or seven months, I think, because uh, it needs to go up and get in position. But the the launch happened and it was successful. And it happened on Christmas. Awesome. Yeah. And it is uh, flying to the Earth's on the Grange point, which is freaking awesome that we finally have something. The Wait, which one? Um, I believe it's one, but I actually don't know. That, that is coming completely. Wait, where out of my is butt. it going? The Earth's on the Grange point, the what? place where the gravity between the Earth and the Sun evens out, so that there's basically no gravity there, and it uses almost no fuel to stay in that oh, position. Oh, cool! Hey, non-subscribers, I'm just popping in here to tell you I cut out a whole part where we talk about Lagrange points and astronomy. Um, and if you want to hear that, you should subscribe uh, on Substack. Uh, but now back to the rest of the episode. Uh, next happy oh, no. news thing. I think that's you, right? 
Or was that uh, David? Oh, no, that was me. Sorry. Uh, so the Biden administration did something good. And Woo! believe me, I'm choking on those words. Um, <laughs> so under the Trump administration, there was a compassionate release program where uh, a whole bunch of nonviolent criminals... Um, who were older and past the age where we really needed to worry about recidivism and in the age where we need to really worry about COVID, uh, we're giving uh, So reminder, people, you generally age out of violent crime. True. Uh, so they were given compassionate release um, during COVID and the uh, Department of Justice or uh, Department of Corrections, rather, said, now this is super duper just a temporary program, and as soon as the uh, pandemic's over, they're going right back into jail to rot forever, despite the fact that most of them didn't even do any actual crimes that were, like, real crimes. Uh, we super duper promise this is not going to be a permanent thing. And then the Biden administration announced that, yeah, it was a permanent thing. Um... So Hooray for, for not sending people to jail. Yay. Uh, also, one of the uh, people who was released under this program and who's presumably now free forever was uh, um, Leonard, uh, Leonard Picard, who was one of the chemists in the Brotherhood of Underground Chemists and was at one point responsible for something like 80% of the entire world's production of LSD. Um, oh, nice. Oh. Yes, uh, he did a uh, interview on the Psychoactive podcast, and it was super cool. A hero of the people. Yeah. Although, um, Wes, you said people generally age out of violent crime, and yes, but also uh, these were specifically nonviolent offenders, right? Oh, I so don't that know. particular thing wouldn't matter anyway. Uh, for the most part, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know enough of the details about it to say all of them, but yeah, for the most part, it was nonviolent offenders. I think I read it was just not yeah, that would make sense. Which made me feel much better. Yeah, I'd also, be fine if it was violent offenders because, as I said, you age out of them. Yeah. Also, uh, while we're speaking of the Brotherhood of Underground Chemists, I recently learned the coolest thing about them. So uh, their like initiation for their dealers uh, was they would bring you into a room with a bowl full of pure LSD. Uh, oh no! Which pure LSD, like, the effective dose is 100 micrograms, so, like, smaller than a grain of sand, but it also has a several orders of magnitude party-to-poison ratio, so you can basically just swallow it until it mechanically ruptures your stomach, and it won't, like, cause you any serious health effects other than having a mechanically ruptured stomach, and if you wanted to be able to sell um, Brotherhood of Underground Chemists, LSD, you had to lick your thumb, dip it in the pure LSD, and then lick your thumb clean. <laughs> that what? sounds Why insane. didn't they just ask if you were a cop? You know cops have to say if they are. <laughs> uh, so it was actually so that their dealers could swear under oath if they need to that they had suffered uh, serious long-lasting effects from drug use because that big a dose of LSD is virtually guaranteed to cause... Um, um, I can't remember. Serious long-lasting effects. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but the, the thing where you get visuals even after you've stopped tripping, um, so that, uh, they could plead, um, drug, drug addledness if they needed to and would hopefully not get as long sentences. You know, this is another reason that, uh, 
drugs should be legalized. I do not want to live in a world where the people that provide my drugs have to permanently damage I also don't think that that would work. That's true, but also we did for a time live in a world where our drugs were provided by an organization called the Brotherhood of Underground Chemists, which is the most (laughs) metal thing I've heard in my life. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. All right. Uh, Moving on, we have one more bit of happy news, and this is the most happy news from Eniash. I don't know if it's the most happy news, I knew but you were it's gonna say the that. most personal news. Ah, the news well. I'm most happy about. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so the Effective Altruism Forums had a contest uh, earlier this year for fiction writing, and I submitted a piece for it, and I won third place. Well, I won a third place. There are multiple third places. Uh, which, first of all, makes me very happy uh, because... They, they're a great organization. It is now published on their forums, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about this. But also of importance is that uh, the prize, even for third place, was absolutely fucking massive in terms of, um, in terms of literature prizes, writing prizes. Uh, I got paid more per word from this, uh, from this publication than I ever have in anyone, and by almost an order of magnitude. Like, it was, it was crazy. Nice. Yeah, so I'm very happy about that. You guys can all see, uh, get a link to the story. It's a short story, 1,000 words, so about four pages. And, uh, uh, you know, you can read the other ones, too. That uh, will also be... Are there. you comfortable saying what the take was? Because I'm kind of curious. Oh, $1,000. Oh, nice. So you got paid a dollar yeah. per word. Slightly over a dollar per word, yeah. That is very cool. I know. All right. Well, that takes us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield each episode. And as usual, we'll start with David. Yeah, so this will be the first in at least a trilogy of troop deployments uh, based on some recent reading I've been doing. Um, I say at least a troop, at least a trilogy, because there was a, there were two that I knew I wanted to do, and then Wes gave me an idea for a third, and frankly, I'm probably going to have, like, at least two or three more good ideas for this series, so we'll see how long I can keep it going. So, I recently finished the audiobook for Where's My Flying Car by Josh Hall. It's really good, and you should listen to it. Wes, that's directed at you. I'm going to. Um, It was a good reminder that many of the future technologies which Golden Age science fiction authors predicted we'd have, but which we don't, were not pie-in-the-sky optimism. Instead, the fact that they were tightly clustered in relatively high-energy sectors, transportation, construction, and heavy industry especially implies that the future we got is the weird one, not the future we were promised. The energy-intensive nature of the lagging industries, combined with a flatline of the Henry Adams curve, a curve which describes the amount of energy available on a per capita basis, and which has been exponentially rising for more or less all of human history before going horizontal around 1971, pretty much exactly the time the sci-fi predictor's predictions decoupled from reality, implies that the reason for this lag had to do with energy per capita stagnating rather than... uh, uh, continuing to grow as it had. 
The first two-thirds of the book are a litany of technologies which are usually scoffed at as impossible by cynics today, but which have, in fact, been proven possible by repeated experiment and prototyping. These include flying cars, but safe and cheap fission and cold fusion also make the list. The last third is more speculative, but also more interesting. Hall explores what abundant nuclear power plus mature nanotechnology could look like. As this is truly Hall's area of expertise, it's magnificent to behold. The conclusion lays out his diagnosis of the problem and his prescription. They are both explored in depth throughout the book, but it's most elegantly laid out there. His diagnosis is that, in the 1960s, we fell victim to a runaway feedback loop of status and rent-seeking among elites, caused by our lack of frontier to overcome, leading to our being less suited to engage new frontiers. This led to political jockeying and cost disease which has dominated our elite institutions and is slowly trickling down to the rest of society. His prescription is to reverse the feedback loop. Find frontiers, engage with them, become stronger, and use that strength to find new frontiers. He intended this to be done on a societal level, and I agree with that, but I don't see a pathway to get there from here. I was once optimistic that COVID might be the driving force we needed, but it seemed the institutions causing our stagnation have have successfully used it to further consolidate their own power. In the meantime, I would encourage you, personally, to do what Hall and I hope will happen politically. Go out and do something awesome, and the more dangerous the better. Enslavement to the safety-first dogma is one of the stronger tools of the Delenda Est Club which is strangling our society. If you're not much of an outdoors person, then join a hunting club and bag a deer, or better yet, a wild boar, and process it yourself. If you have the money for it, get a pilot's license. Do anything which involves anything other than being wolves to each other. Find a frontier and go conquer it. I have, and it's fantastic. And this part is important. Do those things with your kids, too. In addition to being better voters, you'll make them better people, both in the sense of more moral and in the sense of better at being a person. If they grow up in a world with both unicorn, uh, they'll be better than if they grow up in a world with both unicorns and dragons than if they grow up in a world with nothing but beige cubicles and deaths of despair. COVID was not a foeman worthy of our steel. But one will come soon. Hopefully, we'll find it instead of it finding us. But either way, it would be wise to start preparing for it now. All right. Thank you, David. Eniash, what have you got? Yes, uh, my troop deployment this week is almost entirely a ripoff of a less wrong post from a couple weeks ago. Uh, But I really liked it because it helped me to understand people who I couldn't understand before. Uh, So I'm going to be deploying this. Yeah, it is Uh, a very good post and also explains my jabs at the anti-science left earlier oh great okay um yeah this is uh, about covid conspiracy theorists uh some the the writer of the article talks about some family that he has in the midwest who uh were initially following all the guidances but eventually got tired of it and he says that when delta came through uh it hit the community like just massively ripped through his community entire families were infected and fell ill um the majority of of his family's acquaintances and friends all fell ill it was Supposedly, I mean, it was really bad. Uh, but the end result of all this was that there were zero fatalities that anyone in his family actually knew. Not 
a single fatality and not even a hospitalization. And he points out that this is not an anomalous result. Uh, the fatality rate for COVID is about 0.5%, and the human Dunbar number is about 150. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's the number of meaningful uh, personal and social relationships that a human can typically have. Uh, hovers between 100 and 200, and is sometimes known as the monkey sphere in more casual terms. Uh, but th- what this means is that the average person personally knows maybe 150 people, and if the death rate is 0.5%, that's one out of every 200. The modal experience of COVID is that nobody you know dies. And the next common, most common experience is that only one person dies, probably somebody elderly. And I don't want to downplay like the deaths of elderly people. That is bad. And losing 0.5% of your population is also uh, really harsh on a national level and not something that we want to do. Also, uh, you just because the fatality rate is low, there's still the possibility of hospitalization, and anyone who is get hit by a disease bad enough to be in the ICU is going to have long-term consequences to their health because of this. But all that being said, the average person on the ground is not going to see anyone they know dying because of COVID. Um, this leads to them looking at the government, freaking out, imposing all these things that are massively disrupting lives, uh, destroying jobs, tranking the economy, and they're like, why Why are they doing this? Like, you can tell me to believe experts or follow the signs, but I saw with my own two lying eyes that this ripped through my community and nobody died and it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, so what is the reason behind such massively draconian measures? And that is where the conspiracy the, uh, theories gain hold, because having more accurate beliefs about COVID severity is correlated with opposing the restrictions. And when you can't understand why someone would impose these sorts of restrictions for something that's not a big deal, you start thinking maybe there is something that they aren't telling you that is the real ulterior motive. And it's not like people don't have experience with governments lying to them all the freaking time anyway. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was very insightful, and I just wanted to share it with people, and we'll have a link to the post in full, which is uh, much more well-stated than I put it, and also has some other things in it uh, in the show notes. All right. Thank you, Eniash. My trip deployment this week is that work sucks. <laughs> I spent a lot of time talking about how school sucks, but one of the main reasons that school sucks so much is that it's meant to prepare you to have a job. And jobs suck in a lot of the same ways. Most jobs are boring, repetitive, bad for your health, and give no real sense of satisfaction. It's not quite as bad as school, because most people have at least some choices when it comes to what kind of job to work, but most people don't have any good choices. As we're currently seeing, one of the choices people do have is just not to work, and many people are making that choice. Only about half of the people who stopped working during COVID have come back, And there are a lot of theories about why it's happening, but my personal theory is that lockdown gave people a taste of what life is like without needing to go to a shitty job every day, and they're not eager to go back. Now, one of my biggest pet peeves, probably because adults did it to me for my entire childhood, is when people do selfish things and claim it's for my benefit. And this is on display big time whenever conservatives and moderates, including Joe Biden, talk about, quote, the dignity of work as a reason why we can't give cash assistance to people who need it, as if somehow working 40 hours a week to make someone else rich is the true true path toward fulfillment. It's all such bullshit. The rest of us might be better off if we can get someone else to do the dirty jobs, but let's please stop pretending this is for their own good. Now, I don't really have a policy prescription here. We obviously can't just get rid of shitty jobs, but with automation likely exploding in the near future, we might be able to work less. 
if we start seeing real productivity gains, which we really haven't so far, but maybe in the future. Let's not ignore the obvious solution, less work. Don't let bullshit about the dignity of work prevent us from a society where robots do most of the work for us and we all reap the benefits. And in the meantime, if you want people to come back to work, consider offering them better jobs. That doesn't necessarily mean higher pay, though it might. It can also mean more flexible hours, remote options, paid time off, or just a boss that isn't such an asshole. Nice. All right. That's our show for these two weeks. Uh, please follow us um, wherever you follow podcasts. Leave us reviews. It can be good or bad. I don't give a shit. Um, subscribe on Substack. You'll get episodes early. You'll get access to bonus episodes. And you'll get access to our private subscriber-only Discord channel. Uh, Plus, we won't lie yes, to you. Yes, you will get the truth. The real, the real, uh... The podcast, not this one where we lie to everyone. <laughs> uh, all right, and we'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye, everyone.